kids. I think I went to bed at 10 last night. I woke up at like one or two. I could not get back to sleep. So I'm here, it's like 5 a.m. We are starting a new book, Judges. This is one of my favorites. It's interesting how it's light. It's interesting how the uh, how this book reads. I'm just preparing coffee right now. Keurig. Um, basically, I would I would describe this book as Israel disobeying God, being punished, obeying God, and then being blessed over and over and over again, <laughs> and. Uh, God sends prophets, prophet warriors, called judges, not legal judges per se, but, um, gosh, just said the word per se, jerk. Um, but people, prophets that come and say, hey, Israel, you guys are messing up. And these same people typically kill a lot of God's enemies. God hands them over, of course. But, and, and their stories are so, they're like almost too crazy to believe. You know, we have, everyone knows the most famous judge, Samson, was never supposed to cut his hair. There's some other amazing judges. Um, Ehud is actually my favorite judge. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's easily my favorite. What else? Uh, you know, people talk about how the Bible is misogynistic. It really isn't, because there's a judge, and I believe her name is Deborah, a female judge. Uh, so, one of the one of the examples of the Bible actually not being sexist. You guys remember who was it? Tirza and her sisters that succeeded. Their father's estate that happened, I think, in like, I think Deuteronomy, and also it was mentioned in Numbers or Josh. No, Joshua was mentioned there. So, but the Bible does not is not misogynistic. It really isn't. If anything, it's extremely progressive when it comes to women's rights. So, just pacing back and forth, waiting for my coffee. I'm gonna read a little bit. Let's see what did we do yesterday? Phillips all the time. Uh, picked you guys up. The entrepreneur didn't want to ride her bike home, so I picked her up in the truck. You know, one of the things we she likes to do or you, is listen to Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. You've memorized the lyrics. Did Hardy go? Oh, it's going now. But the boys are in the backseat just being rambunctious, which is cute until you guys start punching each other. And then, so then I gotta put a stop to it. We had fried rice for dinner. You guys, the older three loved it. The younger one, the spy, did not. He was throwing a bit of a tantrum. He called me a bully. So you're being a bully to me. I was like, no, just eat your food. I'm not a bully. I, I wanna feed you, I wanna nourish you. <laughs> like the audacity. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it was funny. You know, I, I was not hurt by it. 
And so your mom came home, and then I took a walk, and I came back, and yeah, we just unwound a little bit. I think your mom and I are discussing this thing we're going to be going through with all of you kids. It's called the Passport to Purity, something your mom told me about. Basically, before you guys really hit puberty hard, we take you for like a one-on-one -on -one trip for like a weekend somewhere. Your mom is now figuring out where to take the entrepreneur because she's on the cusp of puberty hitting her pretty hard, which it goes through all of us. There's no shame there. And uh, get back in my office. <coughs> Your mom's in a lot of cool places to, to go. And at the end, like, they were not cheap, by the way, but it's like, well, you only do this once, so might as well splurge. And uh, you're, at the end, your mom was like, I wonder if she'll like this. I wonder if she'll like that. I was like, you know what? How about we just ask her? You ask her. You figure it out what she wants to do. Oh, that's sad. My Bible tab just broke. So, so that's what's going to happen. Your mom's going to talk to you later on today or this week and figure out where you, what, what ideal place you want to go for a weekend, just you and your mom. That's... Sorry. And that's for your mom to really go over sexual purity and the importance of it. And I'm sure she'll give you her testimony, which I have a lot to do with. Um... So that's, you know, anyways, uh, so we're excited about that. What I'm not excited about is doing it three times. Oh, I had to make three boys, so I'm going to do it with you kids one day. Maybe one day you'll look back and, and laugh about it, but we're planning it now. We, we've we always wanted to do that, and um, sexual purity is very important to to nourish early on. I said that word twice now. Um, so, so anyways, um, yeah, Judges is kind of like a sequel to Joshua, but it's like, kind of like, oh, oh, you guys messed up. <laughs> what are you doing? So anyways, uh, so let me just, I'm going to peruse the first few chapters to see how far I should get before I stop. Um, so let's, I think we'll go four chapters today. Um, let me take a sip of this coffee. Mm. Actually, before I forget, I have to send something out. Um, sometimes I come to the office in the middle of the night because I just need to work, but lately I've just been really obsessed with, with, um, getting this done for you kids, you know. I really want you guys to do, to do well, and have a, an actual relationship with Christ. Let's say, da, da, da. All right. Judges, chapter one. I'm excited. I'm excited to start a new book. It's exciting. Um.
All right. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up for first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, uh, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they defeated ten thousand of them at Bezek. They found Adon at Bezek and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off, used to pick up scraps under my table, as I have done. So God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. And the men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the men of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites, who lived in the hill country in the Negeb and the lowland. And Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. And they defeated Sheshai and Ahiman and Talmai. From there they went against the inhabitants of Deborah. The name of Deborah was formerly Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kiriath Sefer and captures it, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, for a wife. And Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it, and gave him Aksa, his daughter, for a wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing, since you have set me in the land of Negeb. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and lower springs. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee real quick. That I'm going to have to ask our pastor about. Othniel, son of Kenaz. Um, and the descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the Negev near Arad. And they went and settled with the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, <clears throat> excuse me, and they defeated the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and devoted it to destruction. So the name of the city was called Horma. <clears throat> Sorry. Clear my throat. It's like the worst time to record is like right in the morning. Judah also captured Gaza with its territory, and Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. And the Lord was with Judah, and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. And Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had said, and he drove out from it the three sons of Anak. But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph scattered out Bethel. Now the name of the city was formerly Luz. And the spies saw a man coming out of the city, and they said to him, Please show us the way into the city, and we will deal kindly with you. And he showed them the way into the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called its name Luz. That is the name to this day. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, 
or the inhabitants of Iblim and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. And the Canaanites persisted me, in dwelling in that land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites, who live in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, or the inhabitants of Nahalal. So the Canaanites lived among them, but became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko, or the inhabitants of Sidon, or the Alab, or the Akzib, or the Helba, or the Afik, or the Rehob, or the Asherites. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. The Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the plain. The Amorites persisted in dwelling in Mount Heres, in Aijalon, and in Shabim. Shabim. But the hand of the, the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. And the border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabim, from Sela and upward. Just a second. Oh, any breath. It is the beginning of, of February, February 1st. I wanted to record this yesterday, but I had a client in my office pretty late, and uh, he had a lot of questions because he was really nervous, and so I, I couldn't, I couldn't let him go. A lot of questions, and you know, I mean, that's what he pays me for to, to calm him down. Mm. Not calm him down, but answer his questions and guide him the right way. So it's a tough job, but I love it. Chapter 2. Now the angel of the Lord, now remember, um, the angel of the Lord, uh, I believe, is synonymous with Jesus in heavenly glory, heavenly form, not Jesus in human form. So that's what I've read every time you hear that. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bacham, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land, and I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept, and they called the name of that place Bacham, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of inheritance in Timnath, Harris. 
in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gosh. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Take a sip. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And here we go. Here we go, kids. And served the bowels, which are it's like a false demonic god. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ash- Ashtaroth. <sighs> so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, just as, just as God said, you know, in, the last, in Joshua. was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges, who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to the, their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, Because this people has transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel by them whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. It's getting scary. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of people of Israel might know war to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon as far as Lebo Hamath. They were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took for themselves as wives. There we go. Warned against it. And their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. See, kids, this is... One of the things that really scares me, and I'm going to pause for a second because I really want this message to come home. When you really start looking for a spouse, start dating, you really should be dating another Christian. Your mom dated dozens of guys in high school, okay? Dozens. And she married the very first Christian boy she dated 
And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but what I'm saying is entrepreneur, date a Christian boy or, and boys that, that are honorable and fear God and love Jesus. And boys, date Christian girls with strong Christian families. Um, because as Christians, we need to be equally yoked. And we'll get to that, you know, when we eventually get to, uh, I, think, I think it's in Proverbs. I think it's in Proverbs. But, or, oh, no, it's in Second Corinthians. Is it Second Corinthians? Sorry, I, don't, I really don't know the Bible that well. Um, but I only dated one girl, so I don't have a lot of experience in this. But we don't date to have fun. That's not the point. And people that do date to have fun, they'll never get married. You're dating for a purpose. What do you like? What are you, what are you about? Who do you, what do you want your partner to be about and expect of them and so on and so forth? So what I'm telling you is the bottom line is when you date, when you eventually get to that, and like you, by the time you're listening to this, you'll be in college, um, you really should be dating to marry and dating a Christian who uh, who will hold you to the holy standard uh, demanded of us all. And if you're in college listening to this, you're dating someone who's not a Christian, uh, break up with them, please, for your sake, and go looking for someone uh, who loves Christ. All right. <clears throat> so, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord, their God, and served the Baals and the Asheroth. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Cushan Rishathim king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathim eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them. Othniel the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rested forty years, then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. I gotta find out why he married his niece. That, to me, that's just a little, that's a little too wild. And the people of Israel again did what was evil. In the, this is like a roller coaster, the next, well, this entire rest of the book. And the people of Israel again did what, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites and went on and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Like this, 10 years longer than they did the first time. Was God saying, no, it's going to be another decade longer than from before. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length. And a cubit is about 18 inches, just for your reference, 12 to 18 inches. Um, or is it eight? Yeah, it's something like that. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. And, and I'm reading this verbatim, by the way, children. 
Now Eglon was a very fat man, and when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded silence. And all his attendants went out from his presence, and Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he rose from his seat. And he had reached with his left hand and took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade. And the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And the, and the dung came out. That which happens when he kills someone. Then Ehud went out into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came and when they saw the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, surely he is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. Yes, this is in the Bible. And they waited till they were embarrassed. But when he still didn't open the doors of the roof chamber, they took the key and opened them. And there they lay. And there lay their Lord dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they delayed, and he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Syrah. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he was their leader. And he said to them, Follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites, and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about ten thousand of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for eight, 80 years. Eight zero. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. I guess Shamgar isn't worth too much. He was given one verse. <laughs> uh, and the people of Israel again did what <clears throat> was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was, I'm sorry, excuse me, chapter 4. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of, the ja, of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in the Harasheth, Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, and for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of <clears throat> Abinoam, from Kedesh Naphtali, and said to him, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking ten thousand from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun? And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jebin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with the chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. This must have been really annoying for her. She said, Fine. Um... Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to the Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. 
And ten thousand men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite had separated from Kenites the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zananim, which is near Kedesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinon, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him, from, I think that was going to happen, Harasheth, Hagoyim, to, to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go up before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him, and the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot, and Barak pursued the chariots and the army of uh, Harasheth, Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jal, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here, say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down to the ground, while he was laying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. It's like my favorite verse in this chapter so far. So he died. She literally nailed him to the floor by his head. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, for the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So, I think that's... Yeah, I'm going to stop there, because chapter 5 is... Kind of long, and let me see. I think, yeah, we'll... We'll stop there. Let me see. Where are we on the time? We're already at 30 minutes. Um, so. so it's, you know, this is going to be... Judges is a fun and exciting book with Israelite superheroes. Not just, like, physical, but, like, faith superheroes. And then, you know, oh, then this judge died. And Israel um, were, did evil inside of the Lord. You know, the next few chapters, let's see, chapter 7, is it chapter 7 or uh, 6, talks about Gideon, who, that was the name I wanted for one of you boys, and your mom vetoed it. I really wanted it. I wanted, I wanted Gideon, or I wanted a middle name Cyrene, after Simon of Cyrene, because he was the, I believe, the African Jew who, who carried Jesus' cross when Jesus could not carry it any longer. I think that's very... It's an amazing story. Um, so, anyways, Gideon would have been a great name, I think. But, anyways. Yeah.
Uh, it's about 10 to 6. I'm gonna leave the office. Whew. I'm Starbucks for your mom and then head home. Um, and so, love you kids. Get along with each other. Love each other, please. And, uh, in everything you do, do it for the kingdom and the king. I will rise and stand redeemed Heaven open over me To your name eternally Endless glory I will bring I am